glasses is a perfect prime example. My wife led these five through this program, and now these five will be leading tens and twelves. Couple things I want to just point out right away. 
the Apostle Paul said that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ by what? By the will of God. God has created each and every one of us for his perfect will. Um, if you didn't notice the sign back at the Welcome Center this morning, we try to usually make that go along with the sermon a little bit. But today you're going to hear this theme, and, and it's going to be this theme of, of destiny and, and predestination. And honestly, it's probably going to be a little bit controversial because it's kind of theological, and we are an interdenominational church, and so some of you might have a little bit different beliefs than I do or that we do amongst each other when it comes to this. And that's okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not scared, I'm not scared of that. But this is what I do know, in Christ you have a destiny, and outside of Christ you have a destiny. We're gonna talk about that, okay? Um, I hope you're gonna join me in picking the one inside of Christ, all right? So Paul says his destiny, the will of God for him was to be an apostle, and he's writing to the Ephesian church, and what does he refer to the Ephesian church as? Holy people, faithful in Christ Jesus, all right? So he's writing to a, a whole church, like I'm speaking to you today. And I want us to live up to what the Word of God calls us. And if you are a child of God, then the Bible says that you are a holy people separated unto God for good works, for the reason and purpose of being faithful to what God through Jesus Christ has called you to do. God's holy people, separated, um, set apart, faithful in Christ Jesus. All right, let's get to one of my favorite verses. It's verse 3 of chapter 1. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Did anyone notice the past tense here? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In Christ, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Now, we here in America, we tend to talk about blessings a lot and how blessed we are and how many times, and we are, there's no doubt about that. How many times are we referring to money, or possessions or some relationships that we have or some relationship that we're in um, opportunities that we get to do we are and everybody say yes and yet Paul says there's no promise for you or I of all of these earthly material blessings but he does say in Christ you and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. What does that mean? Paul uses it here to refer to the special relationship and position that Jesus offers us. Forgiveness of all of our sins, salvation, eternal life, not only forgiveness for the penalty of all of our sins, but he gives us the opportunity to have power that will help us live above our sins. Sin no longer has 
power over us if we don't allow it to, if we are in Christ. We're going to talk about that. These are some of the spiritual blessings that God has blessed you and I with if we are part of God's holy people, the faithful in Jesus Christ, who Paul's writing to, born-again believers. Okay? Let's move on. Church, do you understand? Do you realize this? We talked about this in our leadership class. Uh, classes starting last Sunday night. Uh, there's so many more than these four things, but there's four things that the Word of God says about us that we talked about, and I want to just hit on some of them here shortly. First of all, the Bible says this about you, and Sarah mentioned it, we sang about it, and we talked about it. We are who God says we are, and God says you and I are created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God. Is God good? Is God love? Is God powerful? Is God almighty? Can God just rock your socks off? Yeah. The Bible tells me, and the Bible tells you, it's just a matter if we believe it or not, that you, whether you are inside Christ yet or not, you are created in the image of God. In other words, you were born, you were created for the purpose of reflecting a God who is almighty, who is good, who is loving, who is pure, who is satisfying, who can rock your socks off. You, God says, were created in that kind of image. And so why not only outside the church, I get that, but why inside the church do so many of us struggle with what? Self-image. Why do we do that? I'm going to tell you why. I told you when get back from that, it's going to make me more bold, and I'm going to probably step on some toes. I don't care anymore, because if y'all fire me, I'll just move to Africa. So... <laughs> We struggle because we do not believe what the Word of God says about us. I understand circumstances and situations and home life and culture and kids at school and bullies and all this stuff shapes who we are and shapes the feelings that we have. I completely get that and I understand that and I've wrestled with that myself, but all I know is God says, you. You who are struggling right now with self-image, God tells us that you are created in His image. I wonder if it's why R.A. Torrey says, what, what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So when you hear the word God, if you hear a God that's so mad at you, He wants to strike you down and send you to hell because you never live up and all this stuff, that's important, and that's why your self-image is way low. But if we believe what the Word of God says, that we are created in His image, and when I think about God, I think about salvation. I think about love. I think about truth. I think about grace. I think about power. I think about compassion. I think about passion. If that's what I think about when I think about God, and God tells me I'm created in His image, and I'm on... Purposely, I'm supposed to reflect that image to the world, 
then I know I need to take my eyes off of self and put it on him who created me. And when I begin to do that, I start feeling better about myself because I'm believing what God's word says about me. That's what it means to believe in God. That's what it means to believe in the word of God. And so I understand all these excuses we can all make, and I, I still make them sometimes today. But if I'm really going to believe in the word of God, then my actions and even my feelings ought to start being shaped more and more by that. And it's going to come out in my lifestyle. You and I are created in the image of God. We have been purchased with his blood. You didn't do anything to earn these spiritual blessings. You and I were bought at a price, and that price was high. Let's check out a couple scriptures in 1 Corinthians. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit whose lives, who, who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Why? For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. People inside, outside the church we get, people inside the church today, we like to come to church and it's so easy to believe in God in the way that we define belief, but God says, if you really believe in me, you've accepted the price that I paid for you and I gave my very best for you. That's called his son, Jesus. You were bought and purchased at a high price. So God says, therefore, honor God with your body because it's where the Holy Spirit dwells now. He dwells inside of you. He dwells inside of me. If you read around that passage of scripture, you're going to find where the theme there is sexual immorality or sexual morality being right. And so God, that's why he's pointing to the body. Hey, your body and my body. If we've accepted the gift that God bought us with, the price of his son, the cost of his blood, pain, if we've accepted that, I am no longer my own. My body no longer belongs to me. No longer is my body or should my body be empowered by my sinful nature. It is God's now. And God says I'm to honor him with my body. And sexually that means one man, one woman within the marriage covenant. That's what it means. We either choose to believe what the word of God says or not. And that's the tough part. It's not just, oh yeah, I believe in God. Oh yeah, I believe in the story. If we do, then we have to believe what the word of God says about us. We're created in his image and we've been bought. We've been purchased. It goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It says this. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. Let me pause for just a minute and let's wrap our brains around this. When you hear the word slave in scripture, don't think of the terrible kind of slavery that the United States was once consumed with, you know, um, African slaves and, and whites treating Africans and, and on all that. Don't think of that type of slavery, okay? Think more along the lines of servant. And, you know, even in cultures today, you go and you stay with someone, they might have servants. There's pay, they get a stay, they got a place, they're fed. Now, some masters treated their servants bad. Some masters treated their servants really good, okay? We can't always control that, but 
Paul is saying here, hey, when you got the call of God in your life, did you find yourself being a servant? He's saying, hey, don't worry about that because in Christ, if you get a chance to be free, take it. But he goes on to say this, and remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. I love this. We, we succumb ourselves to, to the natural and the physical all the time. Hey, no one can tell your spirit how to feel and how to act and how to be. If you are enslaved by anything, Jesus can set you free. You can go to work and you can have a terrible master, a terrible boss, and you can be one of the most joyous people there is there. Why? Because in Christ, you are free. And the Bible says, the Bible instructs us that we are free not to use our freedom to indulge the sinful nature, but to use our freedom to serve one another. That's what the scriptures say. Why shouldn't it bother us? Because I work for my one master. Oh, I understand I have a job here and, and, and maybe I'm enslaved to a certain government here or certain policies here. And some says, Paul says, don't let that worry you. You got a chance to be free, be free. But remember, when you accepted Christ, you are now free in the Lord. And if you are free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave in Christ. All right, so now he's kind of talking to free people. He's talking to in a literal sense, but he's like, hey, uh, and you think you're free, you know, the, the Pharisees um, thought that they were free and didn't have to worry about how they lived their life because they were sons of Abraham in a literal sense, right? They thought that brought salvation. Now, Christ hadn't set them free of their sin. He hadn't, they, they rejected him. They didn't believe him. And so uh, Jesus said, hey, if you think you're free in, in a physical, literal sense, remember, you're still a servant. We are a slave. He goes on to say this, God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by what? By the world. To be Jesus' slave or servant isn't a bad thing at all. You and I have the opportunity to work for the greatest master ever. One full of love, one full of encouragement, one full of joy, one full of power. And so we can feel stuck and enslaved to things of this world, but in Christ, we are really a servant of the Most High God. Jesus not only purchased us, not only are we created in His image, but another thing we talked about, the book pointed out to us, is that Jesus empowers and equips you with His Holy Spirit. With His Spirit that is holy. Jesus empowers you. Jesus puts his spirit in you so that you now can be holy as he is holy. Now it's a process of learning and struggling and wrestling with that, but the good news is you and I have power. We have access to the power of God because Jesus provided for us not just himself, a physical body, but when he resurrected from the dead, he put back his spirit inside each and every believer. Each and every one. A power source that equals Jesus living inside of us. It's not just a power source, it's a powerful person. A supernaturally powerful 
person, a supernaturally powerful person that defeated sin, that defeated death, that defeated Satan, that defeated self. All the stuff we try to blame and, well, I'm just this, well, I, I just this. And, and yes, we are still human. I hate that I still carry my sinful nature around with me and it gets the best of me sometimes. But when that happens, I have a choice to make. What am I going to believe? Am I going to give up and not believe that I have the Holy Spirit because even though God's Word says it, so I'm just going to succumb to my sin? Or I'm going to say, okay, God, I messed up again. But man, there's something inside of me. There's someone inside of me that you say has given me power, and I'm in need of that power. And I get back up, and I walk the straight and narrow once again. The Bible tells me and you, you and I have access to that power. And each of you have a divine calling from God, and part of it entails making more disciples, more followers of Jesus. As we trace our lives after Jesus, we are to invite and equip and empower others to trace their lives after Jesus. Jesus told his disciples on more than one occasion, nothing will be impossible for you. Why? Because he has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ. All right, let's get, are you ready to get to the uh, controversial part? Everybody ready? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Everyone likes a good controversy, right? All right, let me read verses 4 through 11, and then we're going to talk about some important words. Actually, two very important words. I actually uh, have them highlighted in bold. They're in yellow, okay, as we read through here. These are the two important words, but I'm just going to read verses 4 through 11. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Whew. That's a lot, isn't it? So, here's the controversy, or here's the two main theological differences when it comes to this word predestination or pre-chosen. First of all, let me tell you, I totally believe that because the word of God says that. It's just a matter of how we interpret that, okay? So one interpretation simply says this. God, before all time existed, before he created the heavens and the earth, said, okay, you're going to go to heaven, you're going to go to hell, you're going to go to heaven. You're, sorry, I shouldn't be pointing at people. You're going to, you know, down there. You're going to, you're like, man, Pastor just told me I was going to hell. So, so that's one 
And it's funny is that that, that's one theological viewpoint. And that's why, that's why some call God's grace its irresistible grace, because if you were a pre-chosen one, you have no input. You have to accept his grace because God pre-chose you to spend eternity with him in heaven, and you weren't one of the left out ones. Okay? That's a that's some people's theological, and they're they're free to, to have that. They're free to use scripture to use that. I personally believe this. I believe inside of Christ, you and I are predestined to something, and I believe outside of Christ, you and I are predestined to something, and I believe God's big enough to know both, and so he sent his son when we couldn't, we couldn't decide, we couldn't earn, we couldn't whatever, but he sent his son, and Jesus said, whomever I draw, which his desire, we're going to see in a minute, is to draw everyone to himself, you and I now have a choice if we're going to remain outside of Christ, or if we're going to choose our destiny inside of Christ. So for those of us today that have already chosen to be in Christ because he made himself known to us, the gospel was preached, something within us drew us, it's called the Holy Spirit, convicted, of, convicted us of our sin, we saw our need for him, and so we chose, based on his leading and drawing us, we chose to accept what he's done for us. At that moment, you and I are now in Christ, and what I just read to you from 4 through 11 is your destiny, destiny in general, but specifically you have a destiny too, in Christ. And it's to accomplish great and mighty things to advance the kingdom of God. That's what I believe. Um, let's see where I'm at. So our destiny, which is short for destination, outside of Christ is where? If you and I choose not to accept God's free gift of salvation, where's our destiny? Hell, right? Let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you this. Even though that is our destiny, I believe scripture is very clear on that. Let me prove to you that God didn't intend any human being to go there. Doesn't mean they're not going to go there, but God didn't originally intend for anyone to be there. You know why? Because the Bible tells us what hell or who hell was prepared for. It's in Matthew. I think it's the next verse. Do we have that up there? Matthew chapter... That's it. Um, and you can read around this to get context, okay? Make sure I'm not just taking this out of context. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for who? The devil and his angels. Jesus didn't say, this is Jesus teaching. I know it's not literally red letters up there, but this is Jesus' words. He doesn't say, um, Blessed, or he didn't say, depart from me, you who are cursed to the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels and all other human beings who I chose to send there. He just says, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. So God sends no one to hell. People choose it by rejecting his son. People choose it by choosing not to believe in God, not to believe in God's word when it's proven itself over and over and over and over again. All right? So, so there's that aspect. Let me share another. Are we ready to? Um, 
Yeah, let's go on. Uh, go to 2 Peter. I got ahead. There we go. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but who? Everyone. Really? <laughs> there it is. Everyone. He's wanting everyone to come to what? Repentance. You can't find your destiny inside of Christ without repenting of the life that you naturally have. Remember, outside of Christ, where's our destiny? We're all headed for hell. We're all singing that ACDC song, Highway to Hell. As soon as you're born, man, you're on that highway. But Isaiah prophesies about a highway of holiness. And Jesus said, I am patient with you. That just tells me not only, even though God doesn't have to draw you just one time, I just think God is constantly drawing you and I. God will use awesome things in your life to draw you to Him. God will use terrible things in your life to draw you to Him. So if you're ever wondering why, man, why am I on this mountaintop experience? Man, why am I in the valley? Man, why is this happening? Why that? I don't know, but I bet you God in some way, shape, or form is trying to draw you to Him. The question is, are we going to believe it or not? Are we going to finally say, oh, God, you've been so patient with me. I understand that you don't want me to perish. And I understand stuff in life happens because it's temporary. And if I would just accept you and live my life for you and turn and stop living my life for my way and turn to you, yes, life's still going to happen, but now I won't perish. One day, not only am I going to understand what it's like to be free from the penalty of sin, what it's, uh, what it's meant to be free from the power of sin, but one day I'm going to know what it's like to uh, experience freedom from the place of sin or presence of sin. You'll never have to be around it at all, but that's one day. You'll still have to wrestle with it in this world that's temporary because sin dwells here. But there's a hope that you have. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only son that whoever would believe, would trust in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh my goodness, it's 1117. Okay, Matthew 8. Matthew 8. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I'll talk about this in a minute. I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, that's the NIV. I meant to put the NLT up there, but let me just explain this, what Jesus is saying. So God sent Jesus. We know that Jesus was a Jew, and, and he was sent for the Jewish people, right? And what Jesus is saying here, as much as God intended to save the world through, through the Jewish people and, and that all Jewish people would be saved, that was his original intent, he tells us here that not all of them will be. In fact, he says many from the east and the west, what he's saying there are there are going to be Gentiles 
non-Jews that will come and enter because they've chosen to believe they will enter and enjoy the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jewish people, patriarchs of the faith. They will enjoy that while those subjects of the kingdom, some translations say those sons, little s, sons of the kingdom, those for uh, who the kingdom was prepared, the Jewish people, some of them are going to be left out. Not because God pre-chose them, we understand here that God pre-chose them in Christ to, to be part of that feast, feast, but because they put their trust in who they were in the natural, a Jew, a literal um, son of Abraham, and not Christ whom God sent, they are going to be left outside of the kingdom. Okay? Destiny inside of Christ and outside of Christ. Let's just skip to um, 15 through 19 really quick. I want you to jot that, jot that down, fifth, verses 15 through 19. For all of you who say you can't pray, for all of you who say you can't pray out loud, I really know you just mean you won't. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you, I know, I know, I'm sorry, you can be mad at me later, it's okay. I'm gonna give you something, just, you, all you need is your Bible, okay? And so what you do, you take your Bible, when someone asks you to pray, it doesn't matter if you're praying for birthday cake or a meal or whatever, you turn to your Bible, you turn to Ephesians chapter one, you start at verse 10, 15, and you bow your heads and you just start reading out loud. For this reason, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, maybe we stop. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Okay, start with verse 17. I keep asking you. All right, so you're reading that. God, I ask you. I keep asking you, God. You, you just use this faith that you would give your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they, God, would know you better. See what I'm doing? I'm just reading scripture, but I'm making it a prayer. I pray, God, that the eyes of their hearts may be enlightened in order that they may know the hope to which you have called them to, the riches of your glorious inheritance that you have for your holy people. And God, I pray that they would know your incomparably great power for us who believe. In Jesus' name, amen. You did it. That's all you did. I, I get and understand all of you that have fears of praying out loud, so don't, I, 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 I do get it. But let's stop saying we can't, because we can, unless you can't read, then I'll get you a Bible and Braille, okay? All right, I'll find one somewhere. Um, last point on verse 19 I want to make. God's incomparably great power is what? It's for us. Man, doesn't that give you hope? Those of you that are struggling, I don't know if you have access, or I don't know if you have God's power or not, but today you can have it. You, you have to understand what God has done for you through Jesus and there'll be some people back at that cross that can walk you through that if you're unsure. And then once they tell you through Scripture, through Romans, the book of Romans, what God has done for you, you got a choice. Okay, am I going to believe that or not? And if you choose to believe that, you now have access to God's incomparably great power that is for you. Isn't that awesome? 
All right, so let's, man, I don't, it's, we're out of time. We gotta go. So I'm gonna just wrap up. Let's stand up. We're gonna sing that last song we sing. We're all just nobodies outside of Christ. That's our, that's our destiny. Nobodies, but in Christ, we understand that we're still nobody outside of the inner. He's made us a somebody to tell other people about the somebody that gave their all. So today, if you want to come and pray at the altar, you can come up and pray. If you need to go back because you need to repent of your sins, you need to understand what God has done for you, I want you to go back. Some of us here this morning, maybe we're just wrestling and struggling, but we just need to let this song hammer home in our hearts and understand that, man, in Christ, I can accomplish all things. Without him, I'm nothing. But in Christ, I can do whatever he's leading me to do. Overcome sin, uh, share the gospel with your neighbor, with your, with your spouse, with your co-worker, it doesn't matter. But I want us to sing this song. I want us to believe it. I want us to believe what the word of God has said about us today so that we live here different and change. Amen. <laughs>